Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. Uh, I have a question that was sent in. Here it goes. If I can never afford to have plastic surgery, how do I overcome this loathing body image that could sabotage my success? I hope the answer isn't months or years of therapy. There's a lot in that sentence. <laughs> it's two sentences, actually. I'm going to read it again. If I can never afford to have plastic surgery, how do I overcome this loathing body image that could sabotage my success? I hope the answer isn't months or years of therapy. Okay, bunny. Um... So I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is that plastic surgery won't help. <laughs> and the bad news is that probably the solution is more akin to months or years of therapy, although I don't know that the therapy will help either. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about plastic surgery because I, I hear some assumptions underlying your question that I want to debunk a little bit. Um, and then we'll talk about what a solution for you actually might look like. So what I hear you saying is that you have uh, a loathing um, body image, that there's some sort of um, self-hatred or um, lack of acceptance that you've turned in on yourself, that um, you're not okay with the way you look, and that um, it feels like a big problem to you, and that you're thinking plastic surgery would fix it because it would supposedly, and I don't know what kind of surgery you're talking about, whether it's liposuction or a tummy tuck or, you know, whatever, uh, some kind of surgery that would solve it. But that surgery probably costs thousands upon thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars, and you don't have the money for that. So um, you're afraid that as you try to lose weight, um, your lack of self-acceptance, your loathing that you're turning onto yourself is going to sabotage your success of getting that weight off. Um, and you're thinking that years of therapy might do the trick too, but you, that sounds like a big hassle. <laughs> um, I hope I've sort of paraphrased that right or, or sort of dissected that right. So, um, let's talk a little bit about plastic surgery because you're assuming that plastic surgery would just solve it. If you just had, you know, if someone just gave you 50 grand and then you could go have your plastic surgery and maybe, you know, buy a new car too or something, whatever, that that would do it, right? Uh, and I want to tell you that it wouldn't. Um, the issue is actually not your outward appearance. Um, I know that that's the story that your saboteur is telling you, that if you just had a flat stomach, if you just were in an ideal body, if you just looked a certain way, that that would solve it. Um, but I'm here to tell you that that it, it won't. Um, and <sighs> I want to tell you about this girl named Nikki. Um, when I was a call girl in San Francisco in 1993, 94, um, there was this girl that I met. Um, who was also a call girl, call, call girl, and she was stunningly beautiful. I mean, just like upper echelon of beauty. She had this big hair of ringlet curls, just like oh, these gorgeous natural curls with just the perfect highlights. It was just her perfect, it was her real hair. It was just gorgeous and the perfect little face and the perfect little body. And she was hilarious and delightful. And um, she was just as hot as they come. 
And uh, she didn't like her nose. She had sort of a Roman nose and she didn't like it. It looked gorgeous on her, but she didn't like it. And she went and she had a nose job. And um, I lost touch with her, um, but I ran into her um, at the House of Prime Rib on Van Ness Avenue um, a couple years later. And she had pads around her nose because she just apparently finished going in for her third nose job. And the first one had looked good, um, but I guess it wasn't Anglican enough. And she was starting to get into the mode of like, you know, plastic surgery addiction, just thinking that, you know, one more surgery here, one more surgery there. And, and um, she'd had other operations in those years that she and I hadn't been in touch too. And she was telling me about it. And she definitely had the sort of self-loathing thing that you're describing. And um, no amount of exterior gorgeousness stopped her from having it. Um, it's what you're describing, that, that loathing body image, it's not actually an outside problem. It's an inside problem. And there is no perfection in, in appearance that solves it because um, you have eyes that won't see it. You won't see the perfection. Um, you think you will, and your saboteur wants you to hear that, that you will, that if there's just this external thing that's different, you'll feel differently about yourself. But the reality is that that's not what's going on. It's an inside job. And um, plastic surgery can be a good option for someone who already feels good about themselves for someone who already feels comfortable with themselves, for somebody who already loves and likes themselves, for somebody who has a high level of what we call self-compassion, a high level of tolerance for their mistakes, a high level of uh, sensing their own humanity, you know, that their foibles are kind of like right in line with everybody else's foibles and that their physical imperfections and behavioral imperfections and all the varieties of imperfections are in line with the imperfections that we all have as part of the human condition. Um, for someone who has a lot of self-compassion and a lot of self-love and talks to themselves pretty nicely, very nicely, as nice as they talk to their friends, um, plastic surgery can work out really well. If they're like, hey, I just lost all this weight and my you know, my arms are swinging and my, my, you know, stomach is drooping and like, I'd like to, you know, like I love myself already, but I would love to have that cleaned up. You know what I mean? Like I would just feel better when it came time to put on a bathing suit or, you know, it's kind of rubbing on my jeans or whatever. Um, plastic surgery can be a really good option for somebody who's not looking for it to fix their relationship with themselves, who's not looking for it to fix their sense of self-worth, their sense of self-esteem. Plastic surgery does not fix low self-esteem at all. Um, as a matter of fact, it probably makes it worse because it kicks the can down the road. And what happens with plastic surgery is then um, there's things about it that aren't great. Like, oh, now you have a scar or, oh, now the skin is kind of dimpled or whatever. And then there's this letdown because there was an expectation that you'd feel differently about yourself on the other side of it and you don't so then there's this feeling of like uh well now i'm really a schmuck because like even that got botched right and now if i just had this other procedure i'd feel better about myself yeah it's just it's uh it's a losing game plastic surgery to fix low self-esteem or low self-worth it doesn't work
Um, so what have I got for you, Bunny? Well, um, the thing about bright line eating is it is pretty good actually at raising self-esteem, at, at helping to correct the self-loathing. At the very least, it shines a light on the self-loathing and um, helps you to see where you're talking meanly to yourself and where your level of self-compassion really needs to raise up. And it is, it is possible that um, self-loathing and lack of self-compassion could sabotage your success in Bright Line Eating because doing Bright Line Eating really does lead to success. And if you have a part of you that won't let you be successful, um, it's going to get in there and and sabotage you. Yeah, I, I see that. Now, what often happens with bright line eating though, is that there's a healing that happens from the ground up because a lot of the self-loathing that you experience, probably not all of it, but potentially a lot of it is actually due to the long-term corrosive effects of you watching yourself betray yourself with food over the years. Like, pledging to stick with this diet this time and then watching yourself decide that you deserve an exception because it's Friday night and you've had a long week and you're out with the girls and you deserve to have some nachos and some pizza and some beer and you you make that choice. You think you're watching yourself make that choice, which you perceive to be an act of self-betrayal. And therefore, you conclude that you don't like yourself or you don't love yourself. Otherwise, why would you be betraying yourself like this? When really what's going on is your brain is tricking you into having more food because that's what the brain does when we try to restrict its intake. The brain, the brain rebels and it, and it gets us to eat more in the same way that it gets us to breathe if we're trying to hold our breath for too long. Um, some of the solution to that is doing bright line eating because without sugar and flour in the mix, the brain chills out a little bit and it doesn't think that we're starving quite as much. You can read my book for the whole details on that, but, um, Basically, over the years, you've convinced yourself that you don't love yourself. Now, a solution to that is one day at a time, writing down what you're going to eat the night before and the next day, watching yourself eat only in exactly that. And that puts a brick in the wall of self-esteem. One solid good brick that day of sticking with your food plan is a brick of self-esteem in a wall that ultimately gets built pretty high and pretty strong, but it's gradual. So you can kind of build up a sense of self-worth from watching yourself do bright line eating that can start to counterbalance and heal, really, the negative corrosive effects of that sense of self-hatred that gets developed when you've been betraying yourself with food for all these years. Now, it doesn't solve all of it. And there's inner work to be done. We've got a course for that. It's called Brightline Healing. And it, it really is a course of coming home and coming to recognize that you're good with all your imperfections and that fundamentally nothing is wrong and you're not a, a self-improvement project, that you've been good all along and just coming home to that realization. It takes, it takes a lot of courage to come home and sit in a place of being okay um, without needing to improve or fix or change the body or any other aspect of yourself. Um, 
it's not an external fix, Bunny, the one that you're looking for. It's not an external fix. It's an inside job. And probably daily bright line eating, you'll probably want the boot camp for this. This is, this is not something to be attempted on your own, especially given, um, the fact that you're going to want and need community to overcome and help to, and start to see the way you've been treating yourself and talking to yourself. There was so much, um, uh, so much meanness to yourself in the message that you wrote, the email that you wrote, uh, even though I, I bet you didn't perceive it as such, you know, so much meanness toward yourself um, that, um, you know, we have a saying around here and it comes from 12-step programs, let us love you until you can learn to love yourself. Um, you're not alone in this, Bunny, by the way. A lot of folks in our tribe treat themselves with a lot of harshness. And it's one of the things that we do here on Brightline Eating is love people and create an environment of love that's so pervasive and so unconditional that gradually, gently, people start to see that the way they talk to themselves and the way they view themselves is just... Um, it's no longer in alignment with the way that they want to show up in the world. They sort of fall in love with the culture of love around here. And they start to finally, usually they're the last ones in, but they start to finally feel like maybe they're eligible too for this climate of love. And maybe they want to treat themselves with a little more love. And we have a lot of people in our tribe gradually learning more self-compassion and gradually coming to talk to themselves more gently. I, I often am heard on coaching calls saying, you know, uh, whatever the name of the person is, oh, don't talk to my sweet friend that way. I'm talking to them. They're talking to themselves in a way they're using words about themselves that hurt my heart. Like, I already love them more than they're loving themselves. Like, oh, don't, you're my sweet friend. Don't talk to yourself that way. Like, I feel um, defensive on their behalf. Like, I want to take themselves and put them over here and be like, don't talk to her that way. She's my friend, you know, like you're being mean, like as if I'm as if I'm doing an intervention of a bullying on the playground and I'm saying, hey, you're being mean. Don't be mean like that was mean. And so I kind of want to call you out, bunny, like that was mean. That was mean. Your self-loathing around your body is mean. Stop it. Stop it. You have a body that's getting you from point A to point B and breathing oxygen on your behalf. And, you know, hands that are using a knife to chop up your vegetables so you can eat a healthy salad at night. And, you know, lips that are kissing a partner or a spouse or a lover and generating all kinds of pleasure on your behalf. And, you know, a digestive system that's moving food through your system and a heart that's pumping and pulsing with the vibration of being alive on this planet. Like, your body is doing a lot on your behalf. Be nicer to it. <laughs> Be nicer to yourself and easier said than done, right? Easier said than done. This is not a quick fix. It's not a fix for plastic surgery. Um, and probably not even a fix for therapy, actually. Um, good therapy can do a lot for this, 
But if you're still betraying yourself with food on a daily basis, the therapy really can only get you so far. I did, let's see, I, I started eating the Bright Line Eating Way when I was 28 years old. And I'd been in therapy since seventh grade, um, which is what, like 12 years old, let's say. Uh, so 12 to 28, 16 years of therapy nonstop, 16 years of therapy. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd cracked maybe, you know, I'd like, I don't know, 15%. I was maybe 15% of the way there in terms of like real self-acceptance and self-love. It took a lot of just <sighs> sticking with a food plan for me to build up my self-worth enough to the point where I felt um, a high level of self-compassion, self-efficacy, self-trust, self-belief. Um, so therapy in and of itself doesn't really get you there either. But some kind of inner work combined with doing bright line eating, where you're writing down your food and then eating only in exactly that, some kind of combination of those two things really can do it. It really can. And being aware of this conversation of self-compassion. I'll be revisiting this topic in future blogs. Uh, self-compassion is a big one. There's a lot of research happening uh, in the scientific community around it right now. It turns out self-compassion is, is one of these magic bullets. It just pretty much uh, improves everything when people are nice to themselves. And it, it, it sets the stage for excellence in a way that perfectionism uh, never can. As a matter of fact, perfectionism undermines excellence. Self-compassion creates the climate that allows excellence counterintuitively. Interestingly enough, being nice to yourself when you fail uh, is a way better predictor of uh, awesome performance than just about anything else we can find in the literature. So um, if you want to look awesome, be nice to yourself about how you look right now, funny enough, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be more likely to uh, end up feeling better and better and better about yourself and looking better and better as the years go on, allowing yourself to look better. So anyway, it's all kind of counterintuitive, but Bunny, I'm sending you my love. I, I want to say um, that you are not alone, that this issue of um, self-loathing, self-condemnation, self-harshness runs rampant in our community um, because it, it really goes along with food issues. And, and my belief is that this self-loathing and self-harshness both causes food issues and is created by food issues. Again, watching yourself betray yourself with food over and over again. If you've got a highly susceptible brain, that's a brain that's going to trick you into overeating, into eating foods you know you shouldn't be eating. Having that kind of brain um, results in circumstances where you're betraying yourself over and over and over again with food, um, and it just sends you down um, a self-loathing spiral because you're watching yourself tr beat yourself up essentially with food, watching yourself abuse yourself with food. And who would do that but an asshole, right? Um, so you come to think that you're an asshole essentially um, because you're treating yourself so viciously with food. Um, but but that's not actually what's happening. What's happening is your brain is hijacked and it's not your fault. So um, anyway... I'm sending you love, Bunny. You're not alone. You're not alone. And uh, I'm glad you don't have money for plastic surgery because it would just send you down a road of um, uh, useless surgeries, essentially, um, when that's, that's you know, how you look on the outside is not the fundamental issue here. It's not. Um, and uh, welcome to Bright Line Eating. 
I hope you take it seriously. I hope that you hop on the bandwagon here and start to do what's laid out um, because of that plus some inner work I think really will get you there. So that's the weekly vlog and I'm excited to be here with you this week. I love you very much and I'm sure my team is going to put some links down there like to Facebook and Twitter and all those cool things. So if you haven't followed me or whatever the words are, go ahead and click down below and I'll see you next week.